0: The year is approximately 600 BC, and the renowned Nebuchadnezzar, dreaded monarch of ancient Babylon, well, he is parading like a peacock across most of the known world of his day. He's conquering everything and everyone in his path. One of the nations he devastated was Israel, and one of the cities he obliterated was the Jews' beloved Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar not only burned and leveled their capital city, but his troops did everything possible to break the spirit of every captive. Soldiers corralled the vanquished by the thousands, and they herded them like cattle from their homeland to Babylon. In Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar's capital city had reached the height of its glory under his reign. It had canals and temples, palaces, famous streets such as the processional, fortifications like the Ishtar Gate, and the Hanging Gardens, which were one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was not only designed to inspire awe, but designed to strike fear in the hearts of the captives as they were paraded into this mighty city in humiliation. Their transport to this distant pagan culture was the means by which Nebuchadnezzar hoped to permanently dissolve their identity as God's people and smash their wills as individuals. In scripture, you don't have to read very far or very long before you'll discover that Babylon, the system, has always been the enemy of God's people everywhere in scripture. The empire was founded by Nimrod who's called a mighty hunter but that simply means he was a mighty rebel. He was mighty in sin in Genesis chapter 10. The key to Babylonian worship has always been the exaltation of the individual to become his own god The word Babel means the gate of God, and that's exactly what those very first Babylonian citizens in Genesis 11 were trying to do when they constructed that famous tower to try to reach into the heavens. They were trying to come up with an easier man-made way to get to God, and not much has changed in 5,000 or 6,000 years. God brought confusion to their languages, In order to scatter them and stop the work on that tower. But Babylon has been working feverishly to reunify itself against God and his people ever since. Both the political and the religious aspects of the Babylonian system. Please hear me. They will continue to war against the true people of God until the world government and the world church are defeated by God in Revelation chapter 17 and Revelation chapter 18. You can read it in your Bible. Babylon is a powerful opponent, but I stand here in the authority of the word of God tonight and say, but the Babylonian system, the anti-God system, the anti-Christ movement will be defeated. Because what Nebuchadnezzar did not realize was that he could only gain dominion over the people of God because God had a higher purpose in mind. God only allowed Nebuchadnezzar to invade and conquer because God had something greater in mind for his people. Long before Nebuchadnezzar ever conquered Jerusalem, God had raised up a prophet named Jeremiah to warn of judgment and Jeremiah told them God's going to purge sin he's going to purge idolatry from Israel and he's going to use Babylon to do it for 70 years Jeremiah said and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years Not 71 years, Nebuchadnezzar. You don't get 71. God has a timetable, and although you think you're calling the shots, and you think you have all the power, God is ultimately in control. There was hope in the midst of hurt. Jeremiah even prophesied that after this period of time, those exiled families, all those captives would be released, and there would ultimately be a return to Jerusalem as well as a restoration of their temple and their worship of the Most High God. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years, not 71 Nebuchadnezzar, you don't get any extra time. After 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you, I will perform my good work toward you in causing you to return to this place. Now you thought this next verse was just a nice verse for a little fridge magnet, but no, this was about the captivity and the restoration of Israel. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. God said, although everything is in turmoil right now, although you are in trouble right now, although you can't see an answer or a way out right now, don't mistake that for thinking that God has some evil agenda against you. God may have allowed it to come in your life, but it came to pass. God may have allowed it in your life, but it did not come to stay and thwart your destiny. God only allowed it because while the devil is feverishly playing checkers, God is playing chess and he's got him outwitted, outgunned, outmaneuvered and outmoved every single time. God said, I know what I'm thinking toward my people. I'm not thinking evil toward you. You may be heartbroken right now. You may have cried yourself to sleep last night, but I'm not thinking evil toward you. I have thoughts of peace toward you. I don't have an evil thought in me toward my people. I'm going to give you an expected end. Some of the new translations say a future and a hope. And that's why on the worst day of his life, as he watched his beloved Jerusalem burning, and the beautiful temple destroyed this weeping prophet named jeremiah he penned his second work the book of lamentations it is dreadful and dreary and depressing But somehow in the center of that little book, he managed to catch the only ray of sunshine that was penetrating the dark clouds of doom. And I read it to you on Wednesday night and the Lord said, hit it again tonight. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because while your strength may be gone and your energy may be fading and your emotions may be rubbed raw right now his compassions fail not you say I can't hold it together God said that's okay I'm holding you up I'm holding you together his compassions fail not and on the worst day of his life watching Jerusalem in flames Jeremiah wrote your mercies God your Passions are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. People may have let you down, friends may have turned their back on you, but there is a God who is faithful to you every day of your life, no matter what has unfolded in your life. So, here's what Jeremiah learned throughout all of that mess he learned that the trial was allowed. By God. It was allowed by God. Your trial is allowed by God. He didn't cause it, but He allowed it. But Jeremiah also learned this that while the trial was allowed by God, the trial was limited by God. The devil can't just do whatever he wants with us. If he could, there would have been a 90-car pileup on Downing Street tonight, and they'd be having all of our funerals tomorrow. If the devil could do what he wanted to do with the people of God. He hates you. He has no patience with you. His only purpose for you is to defeat you and take you to hell with him because he's scared to death because that is his eternal destiny. The good news is it doesn't have to be you eternal destiny. If the devil could have killed you, he already would have killed you. If he could take you out, he already would have taken you out. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm not going one minute earlier than God says I'm going. The devil can't take me out. Only Jesus has the authority to do that. Jeremiah learned the trial was allowed by God but the trial was limited by God. He also learned this, that the trial could not thwart God's purpose. And then he learned this, that not only could the trial not thwart God's purpose, but the trial actually brought about God's purpose. And that'll stretch your brain. Not only could the trial not thwart God's purpose, God outwitted the devil and the trial actually brought about God's purpose. I speak to somebody tonight that is overwhelmed with the trials of your life right now. And I say that while you think that this is so terrible, and it is, and it's so painful and awful, and it is, please hear me, that trial cannot thwart God's purpose in your life. That sickness cannot thwart God's purpose in your life. That family circumstance that's so perplexing, it cannot thwart God's purpose in your life. But not only that, what you can't see on heaven's scoreboard is the trial you're walking through is actually bringing about the purpose of God in your life. In other words, God's still in control. No matter what you feel is out of control. The entire tactic of King Nebuchadnezzar against Israel was the same as the devil's tactic against you. He wanted to intimidate them with fear, he wanted to make them forget their identity as the people of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were among the thousands of young men who were taken captive. And although they probably didn't realize it, they were about to become players in an ancient war between God and Satan, between God's people and the spirit of Babylon. Now this is one of the stories that we tell the nursery class, so you know this one. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold. Its height was three score cubits, the breadth of it six cubits, and he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Babylon nebuchadnezzar had taken measures to make the worship of this image palatable to all of his subjects the ceremony was accompanied by pomp and circumstance and beautiful music that drowned out any reservations anybody might have had from any of the nations he'd conquered except for the three hebrew boys they still had reservations because they knew the one true god Sad to say, they weren't the only Jewish captives in that crowd. But even though others who should have known better bowed down to the Babylonian system all around them, they stood tall and they stood alone. It was when they refused to compromise with the Babylonian system that the wrath of the king was incurred against them. He ordered the furnace... Heated seven times hotter than normal. That's not a numerical equation. That's a figure of speech. It simply portrays they cranked it up as high as it would go. It was of the utmost intensity. It was as hot as possible. It was a raging inferno. There was no way anyone was going to survive that fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We're not careful to answer thee in this matter. We're not parsing out our words. We're not saying it in a gentle, politically correct manner. We're just here to tell you, you do what you want. You bring your worst, but we're not bowing to your system. I wish a little bit of the three Hebrew boys' spirit could infiltrate this generation of apostolics. I love everybody. We don't hate on anybody. But when it comes to the world system that wants us to bow down to all the nonsense and all the logical fallacies that are being perpetrated on our culture, the answer of the church is, we're not even careful to answer you in this matter. We just say, no we don't bow to that if it's not in this book we don't subscribe to it so we're sorry but sorry not sorry we're not going to bow if it be so our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand O king now that's confidence because all the odds are stacked against them. These are three young men against hundreds, perhaps thousands of guards in Nebuchadnezzar's army. They're up against the wrath of the entire Babylonian system, the empire of the day that has conquered the then known world. They have no resources. They have no strength. They have no clout. And yet their answer is, our God whom we serve... Is able, but not only is he able, King, he will deliver us. Now, what in the world does that mean? Because they don't know how this is going to turn out, and you don't know how your trial is going to turn out. And yet, you can say with those three boys, But my God will deliver me. Because here's the thing about a child of God we get delivered either way. (laughs) You can't lose. You get delivered either way. Either God is going to give you a miracle and heal you of every sickness and you're going to live a good long life or sickness is going to catch up with your human frail body and sickness is going to take you out. And to some people that's terrifying, but to a child of God, that's a doorway to a greater life. So here's the thing, either way, the Lord's going to deliver us. I'm not sure you believe that like you should believe it. But either way we get delivered. Either way we have victory. For those of you that are suffering sickness, I hate it. We're praying against it. We're going to keep believing for you. But here's the thing. You get healed either way. You either get healed here and we have a great celebration or we see you over there and we have an even greater celebration. Either way you get healed. Either way you get victory. Either way you're delivered. Either way God answers your prayer. (laughs) Oh, there's one more verse here. But if not, if God doesn't do what I'm praying for, if God doesn't do what I'm hoping, if God doesn't do what I'm dreaming about for my family, if God doesn't answer my prayer, but if not, public service announcement, Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will still not serve your gods, and we will still not worship the golden image which thou hast set up. In the face of the most incredible intimidation and fear, their immortal declaration is this. We know God is able to deliver us, but if he doesn't, but if not... We still will not bow. We're not afraid of your campfire. We are not terrified of your little furnace. If not, our God is still gonna take us out of your hand one way or the other. Either we come out of the fire and you're amazed or we burn up in the fire and we're amazed when we get to God's heaven. Either way, we win. Now, they did not know. We look at Bible characters. It's amazing. They're they're superheroes. They're 10 feet tall. They wear red capes. They were normal, average, ordinary, everyday people. They did not know the miracle that God was going to perform. They did not know whether he would honor their request before a heathen king. Listen, but it did not matter to them because they still weren't going to bow regardless. Some people today say, well, I'll serve God if he helps me, or I'll serve God if he heals me, or I'll serve God if he delivers me from the pain of my sick situation, and some people think that Christianity is one more self-help program, and so they try it for a few weeks, and if it doesn't solve all their problems, and if it doesn't make everything better, then they just kind of quit. They've missed the entire point. I'm not serving Jesus because he makes everything better. I'm serving Jesus because he's God and he saved me from my sin and I'm going to a place where everything is better for all eternity. That's why I'm serving Jesus. Now the reality is in almost every area of my life he's made things exponentially better. But that's still not why I'm serving him. And if that's why you're serving him, then you come to a situation that knocks you down and you're afraid and you're quaking in your boots and you're not sure which way you're going to go. But for a child of God serving Jesus for the right reason, your answer is always, but if not, it doesn't change anything. I'm praying for God to heal me. I believe God can heal me. I go to a church where they pray for me. I go to a church where they believe God can heal me. God's healed other people. He's no respecter of persons. The odds are God's going to heal me by His miracle, work, and power. But if not, I'm not changing how I serve God. I'm not even breaking my stride in worship. I'm still gonna show up. I'm still gonna lift my hands up. I'm still gonna raise my voice up. And I'm still gonna give God praise. But if not, it really doesn't matter. God's people walk through the fire, whether it hurts them or not, because they know that God is in control. She's a a blogger, uh, writes some beautiful things. Her name is Kimberly D. Henderson, and she actually wrote this back in 2017. But in recent months, maybe the last year, it's kind of recycled around the Internet And I really like what uh, Mrs. Henderson wrote here. It's called, I would have pulled you out. I would have pulled Joseph out, out of that pit, out of that prison, out of that pain. I would have cheated nations out of the one God would use to deliver them from famine. I would have pulled David out, out of Saul's spear-throwing presence out of the caves he hid away in, out of the pain of rejection, I would have cheated Israel out of a God-hearted king. I would have pulled Esther out, out of being snatched from her only family, out of being placed in a position she never asked for, out of the path of a vicious, power-hungry foe. I would have cheated a people out of the woman God would use to save their very lives. I would have pulled Jesus off, off the cross, off the road that led to suffering and pain, off of the path that would mean nakedness and beatings, nails and thorns. I would have cheated the entire world out of a savior, out of salvation, out of an eternity filled with no more suffering and no more pain. And, oh, friend, I want to pull you out. I want to change your path. I want to stop your pain. But right now, I know I would be wrong. I would be out of line. I would be cheating you and cheating the world out of so much good. Because God knows. He knows the good this pain will produce. He knows the beauty this hardship will grow. He's watching over you and keeping you, even in the midst of this. And he's promising you that you can trust him, even when it feels like more than you can bear. So instead of trying to pull you out, I'm lifting you up. I'm kneeling before the Father, and I'm asking him to give you strength, to give you hope. I'm asking him to protect you and move you when the time is right. I'm asking him to help you stay prayerful and discerning. I'm asking him how I can best love you and be a help to you. I'm believing that he's going to use your life in powerful and beautiful ways. Ways that will leave your heart grateful and humbly thankful for this road you've been on. Hmm. But if not. It was when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to enter the fire without any assurance of deliverance. It was then that the miracle happened. The men who threw them into the furnace were slain, The fire didn't touch them. Up in heaven, God looked down and said, my goodness, those are brave boys. I think I'll go down and stand beside them in the furnace they're walking through. And on earth, this happened. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, true, O king. He answered and said, wait a minute, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt and the form of the fourth is like the sun Of God. When Nebuchadnezzar called them, they came out of the fire by themselves without their bonds. The only thing those boys lost when they stood up for God was their chains. That's all they lost through their trial. There is freedom in the furnace of affliction when God is their with you. You can go through a trial feeling so bound in your humanity, feeling so bound in that sickness, feeling so bound in that perplexing family situation. But if you'll handle it right, if you'll let Jesus walk into that fire with you, the only thing you stand to lose in that fire is the chains that bound you on the way in. And the princes and governors and captains and counselors, they were all gathered together and they saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. They didn't even smell like smoke after walking through this thousand degree fire. God did not save those boys from the fire. He saved them in the fire. Help me Jesus. Sometimes God doesn't save you from the sickness. He saves you in the sickness. Sometimes God doesn't save you from the difficulty he saves you in the difficulty and that resulted in a testimony to all of Babylon it was a chance to hear about the Nebuchadnezzar said this is the only god that can deliver after this sword it was a testimony to that pagan nation and we live in the last days when Babylon has made their furnace seven times hotter The devil has launched an all-out attack against the people of God, and it is still an attack of fear and intimidation. I cannot guarantee you that your life, your body, your health, your mind, your family, your home, your marriage, your children, your possessions, your finances, your friends, or your comfort... I can't guarantee you that none of that is going to be not be viciously attacked by the enemy. In fact, if I read scripture right, I can almost guarantee about the opposite. That the devil's going to make his play and attack everything he can possibly touch in your life. You say, that's scary. Yeah, it probably is. And why is the fire so much hotter today? It's because the devil knows that his time is short. He is a powerful opponent, brothers and sisters. He's vicious. He doesn't play by any set of rules that I know of. But he labors under one crippling fact. He's facing down a dreaded sentence of eternal imprisonment without any possibility of parole. He works under the terrifying reality of hell every moment of his existence And he knows something that you may have forgotten. Right now in our generation is his last chance to wreak havoc against the people of God. And that's why his wrath is so stirred up against you. He hates that you're serving Jesus. He hates that you're in church tonight. And oh boy, did he hate when people broke out of their seats and got worshiping. He hates that environment. You are his worst nightmare. And so it's no wonder he attacks you. And there's a lot of attacks right now. Twice today, we've prayed for our friends. Sister Lynn is here, and she ministers in Guatemala. We've prayed for our friends in Guatemala, the national church. They, they, they've had so many ministers die of COVID-19. They don't have the medical system we do. They don't have the living conditions that we do. It's a, uh, so many people in that nation live just at the poverty line or below. And today, another elder minister died Yesterday morning, it was the president of their work. They're, as you heard Pastor Matt say, they're concerned about the secretary of their work. And it, you just say, God, why? Why in the world is this allowed to happen? Why? A year ago when COVID hit and they shut everything down, I was at a meeting with my friend evangelist Eli Hernandez in the Chicago area. He went home from a series of meetings. That wasn't the only meeting he was at there. He went home from a series of meetings and had COVID-19. And around May the 8th, he was gone. This powerful evangelist. And you say, why? Last August, it was a precious missionary lady, Darla McLean, A teacher. I loved her. We talked about teaching the word of God all the time, every time we talked. And last August, she had just retired with her husband to come home to Wisconsin and enjoy their kids and their grandkids. They'd spent their whole life on the field in Nigeria. And they'd just get home. And then she's gone. COVID-19. And you say, why? And on Tuesday, our friends, the Trimbles, will commemorate the life of their 35-year-old son and the assistant pastor of their church and one of the finest young men and one of the most dedicated worship leaders and a terrific songwriter and musician who recorded music. And and Anthony Trimble's funeral will be on Tuesday and he was 35 and cancer took him. And you just say, why? But if you're a child of God, In the middle of the tears and in the middle of the misunderstanding or not understanding or frustration or there's some other voice raises up inside of your spirit. Because the devil would like to use any of those circumstances and a thousand circumstances represented by all you people. He'd love to use those circumstances to make you question God and give up on your faith and walk out the door of the church and never come back. He would love to do that. But if you're a child of God, there's another voice. Up here it's saying, why? Why God? Why God? Why God? But if you can hear the voice of the spirit of God in you, there's another voice that says, But if not... We prayed for Anthony Trimble. The whole fellowship of the United Pentecostal Church prayed for that young man. And God somehow had a higher, different purpose. And my heart is broken for his precious mom and dad. I don't understand that, but here's what I know. The Trimbles aren't backsliding. They're not gonna give up on God and quit pastoring and go sit in a cave somewhere because in their spirit, there's this thing. We prayed for you to heal him and we believed you could. And that you would, but if not, it doesn't change anything. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, This is what the devil's gonna hear someday an echo from heaven. Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. You're going up, but the devil is going down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death. What's that testimony? That testimony says, but... If not, I love God right till death. I love God no matter what unfolds. I love God no matter who turns against me. I love God no matter how fiercely the devil attacks me. I love God when God does things that confound my imagination. They love not their lives unto the death. The point of the story is not how the Lord delivers me. But you got to get this. The point of the story is not even if the Lord delivers me. The point of that story of those three boys in the word of God is that I refuse to bow to the devil's intimidation and fear even if God doesn't deliver me. That's the point of the story. I know my God can deliver. I know my God can heal cancer. I know he can. We've seen him do it in this church and we've got people that should have been in heaven decades ago still sitting in our seats in this church so God can heal cancer. But if he doesn't, it doesn't change one thing. Oh, we'll miss him and we'll cry because we're human and it's okay to be human and nobody's saying put on some stupid face with bravado and act like you don't hurt. Of course you hurt. You're human. But when you get done crying on that day, because you'll cry many days when it's a loved one that's gone or when it's a situation you don't understand, and you'll pray and you'll cry and you'll wipe your face. But when you get done wiping your face, stand up on your feet, look God in the face, turn your back on the devil and say, but if not, if God doesn't answer, if God doesn't do it the way I think, if God doesn't come through the way I prefer, but if not, I'm still going to serve him, love him, praise him, worship him him I'm still going to live for him it doesn't change one thing but if not you know we look at our church and we like to talk about the positive so I can say this this is absolutely 100% true we are a collection of answered prayers in this room anybody say amen we're a collection of answered prayers we've all had prayers that God answered but can I say the other side We're a collection of unanswered prayers in this room. There's not a person in here that hasn't prayed a prayer that God didn't answer. Or maybe he did answer it, but just not in the way you thought he should answer it. Maybe he's still answering it, but you wanted him to answer it 10 years ago. (laughs) But if you look at it honest, we're a collection of unanswered prayers in this room. It hasn't changed one thing. We showed up today. We went green this morning, pastor. We showed up today and we've had a powerful day of worship. You know why? But if not, if God doesn't heal me, if God doesn't change it, if God doesn't turn them around, if God doesn't come through, I'm still going to serve him. But now thus saith the Lord that created the O Jacob and he that formed the O Israel Fear not. See, that's the battle right there. If you can get over fear, you can get through the rest. It's fear. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. I have a word for you. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Not one time there does God say, I'll take it out, I'll remove it, you won't have to go through it. He just says, when you go through it, don't be afraid, I will be with you. That's what he says. And now I'll finish music, you can come back. We were there Wednesday night and the Lord wouldn't let me loose of it for tonight. You remember Job, this perfect and upright man who shunned evil and he had integrity and he was stripped of his wealth and his property and his family in one day and then he lost his health and then his wife turned against him and screamed at him, curse God and die. This is where we were on Wednesday and the Lord said, "Just you've got to say this again. Job knew what had happened to him, but he did not know why it had happened to him. For us, the Bible allows us in the book of Job to visit the throne room of heaven. And through that book, we get to hear God and the devil speak. So we have hindsight. We know who caused the devastation. Job had no clue who was causing the problem in his life. And because they didn't know either, his friends and his wife, they turned against him. They blamed Job for everything he was facing. The only reason for Job's suffering is a blow your mind if you really think about that little book in the Bible. The only reason for Job's suffering was that up in heaven... God and the devil had been having a conversation and God pointed down and said, have you considered my servant Job? He loves me. He serves me. He prays to me. The whole reason Job ended up in agony It's because the Almighty had been bragging on his integrity. And the devil, he said to God, you're some God. You're just about like the mafia. You protect them. You don't let anything bad happen to them. That's why they love you. Those apostolic people... Nothing goes wrong in their lives. Their kids grow up and they're good kids and no addictions ever come near their family and nobody ever backslides in their lineage. They serve you because you make everything right in their lives. And up in heaven, God said, no, I'll prove to you that my people will serve me even if they don't understand me. The whole reason Job's life fell apart is because God knew that Job had his relationship with God together. Now, now, you won't understand this, but it was because God was bragging on Job that God allowed the devil to tear his life limb from limb. The only stipulation... God put on the devil was, you cannot take his life. You can take his health. You can take his wealth. You can take his houses. You can take his lands. You can take his crops. You can take his animals. You can take his friends. You can even take the love of his wife. You can take it all. You cannot take his life. Why, God? Because when you get done taking everything away from him, I'm going to show you, devil, that with his last breath and his last bit of strength, he's going to lift up gnarled, weakened arms, pocked with all kinds of disease, boils and sores. And he's going to worship me despite everything that's going on. He's going to worship me even when he doesn't understand me. God dared the devil to do it and he did. the only reason for Job's suffering was to silence the accusations of hell and to shut the mouth of the devil and to prove that a righteous man or woman would honor God even when they lost everything. Job's trials had nothing to do with sores and boils. They had nothing to do with lost houses and lands. They were a battle in the heavenlies and Job just couldn't see it. And my favorite part of the story, and I'm, 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 I'm almost done. The devil said, God, it's not fair. You put a hedge of protection around Job. Of course he worships you. Of course he serves you. Of course he loves you. God said, tear it down. So the devil gleefully ripped down every brick of the hedge that God had put around Job. All the blessings all the provision, all the wealth, all the health. And the devil just joyfully ripped out every brick and cast it aside and watched Job begin to suffer and his life begin to go into upheaval and everything began to turn upside down. And about the time the devil reached for the last brick to pull it out of the hedge, he noticed something he hadn't before, that inside the hedge that God had built around Job. There was another hedge. God had nothing to do with this hedge. This was not the hedge that God built. This was the hedge that Job built. And Job's hedge is summed up in Job's words. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him but I will maintain mine own ways before him. What are you saying, Job? I'm saying, but if not, if God doesn't turn it around, if God doesn't restore everything that I lost, if God doesn't do what I think he should, I'm going to maintain my course. I'm going to maintain my ways. Even though he kills me, I'm still going to trust him. Don't you think Job had it easy? He said, I go forward. He's not there. Some of you have been there. I look backward. I can't perceive him. On the left hand, the scripture tells me he's working. He never stops working. We sing it, but I can't behold him. He hides himself on the right hand, and I can't see him. I can't control what God does. I can't control what God allows. I can't control what God lets the devil do in my life. But this I can control. God knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I can't control what happens to me, but I choose to control what happens in me. I can't tell you why I'm suffering. I can't tell you when I'm coming out of it but I can show you how I'm coming out of it. I'm not going to come out bitter, hating God and church. I'm not going to come out backslidden, so twisted and so cold and so distant. No. When he has tried me, whenever it's over, I'm coming forth as gold. I know God is able to deliver me, but if not, I'm still going to serve Him. So I say to somebody tonight your trial is allowed by God, not caused but allowed by God. But your trial is limited by God. The devil doesn't do whatever he wants. It's limited. And I say to somebody tonight, your trial cannot thwart God's purpose in your life. But also the most triumphant fact, your trial can actually bring about God's purpose in Would you lift up your hands right now? I'm not screaming at you, but I feel the anointing of God so strong in this place. There's a delivering word for somebody here tonight. So if you just lift up your voice and catch the word of God as it goes by you, uh, I don't mean a whispered lifted voice. I mean lift up
1: your voice right now and pray. Eto rabbate la cio sabbato rabbaha tebosha Mendo to la babati ataraboshe sabaha E la boto rabbaha
0: Pausing because I don't know what to do. I'm pausing because I'm waiting for us, this great church, to just catch the wind of the spirit that's in here. Just and and you'll do that by just kind of lifting up your worship. There's there there's a healing word in here for somebody tonight. <laughs>
1: oh my
0: some of you have fought sickness and hell itself and you're still fighting tonight and it's so wearisome but God has allowed it for his glory I don't understand it I am praying with you to get rid of it but if he doesn't do what we're praying for I still trust him I still trust him There there's an there's an updraft in the spirit if you can just catch it would you lift your hands like 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 wings, like you were about to jump off a cliff with a big kite strapped to you. And that's the only way I know how to describe it. There's an updraft in the spirit that wants to lift you up above your struggles tonight and lift you up above your troubles and lift you up above your trial and your sickness. And I know it's occupied such a major place in your mind, but God wants to catch you and just lift you up above that for a moment tonight. It's why church is our life. It's why we're here. I know your hearts heavy and I know your mind is confused and I know your emotions are struggling and I know that you're hurting inside. I know that. But but if you can see it, it's the determination to say, if God doesn't do it the way I think he should I'm still going to serve him. You're more likely to get a miracle saying that than you are saying just about anything else. You're more likely to walk into your healing when you make up your mind, but I'll live without my healing if I have to. Watch me, devil. You're more likely to see that backslider come home if you make up your mind. My home's going to be filled with praise. If they never show a glimmer of interest in God or church, I'm still going to worship God all around them. I'm going to surround them with worship. I'm going to surround them with love. I'm going to surround them with praise to God. You're more likely to see your miracle if you get that spirit inside of you. One more time, great church. I'm not trying to plague you. I'm trying to help you. I'm telling you, the only way I can describe it is if you'll lift up your worship to God, there's, a, there's an updraft that just wants to catch you and take you up above your struggles, take you up above your troubles, take you up against the above the opposition of the enemy right now.
1: Le do she boko reba tekes so reba baterra boko shiasaba andela boko Saba, me sho shababa lotorabaka raba ela darabo she saraba Bahasa.
0: Let's stand together tonight. One more time. Just don't don't stop. Don't get ready to go. Don't pack up your stuff yet. We we need to give Jesus a chance to touch somebody in this room that needs supernatural strength. Would you just catch that one more time? Lift up your hands. Lift up your voice. Lift up your praise. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh
1: yes. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. They're gonna begin to sing.
0: Let's begin to fill the altar tonight. We have the liberty to do that today. It's been so beautiful to see all day long. Let's fill the altar tonight. Now when you get here, don't bury your head and cry because we're not here, we're not here to say, God, I'm in trouble. God, I don't know what to do. God, I'm bewildered. That's not what we're here to say. What we're here to say right now is, God, I don't see the answer coming, but it's not affecting my praise. I don't see the answer coming, but it's not affecting my worship. But if not, I'm still going to praise you. But if not, I'm still going to worship you. But if not, I'm still going to be victorious. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes. All of you wonderful people that are in the altar, could you just take one more step? If you're in an aisle, just just come, because there's still people in the aisle, and we need God to be able to touch them. They need to be among you tonight. Not asking you to crowd anybody, but just fill in this altar tonight. This is so beautiful to see. It's been so long. It's been so long. Now some of you are walking through stuff that you don't understand and some of you are walking through stuff that you would not wish on your worst enemy and you hate it, you despise it, you're burdened by it. But here's why we're at the altar tonight to say three words. God but if not, I believe you can, but if not, if you don't heal me, I'm still going to worship you. If I don't see any difference when I get home, I'm still going to praise you. You're more likely to get your miracle by saying that than just about anything else. Now, if you take just a little bit of instruction, I want you to lift up your hands. If there's somebody that you know praying beside you or with you, lift up their hand with yours. But the most important thing we're going to lift right now is our voice to God. We're going to pray our way above the clouds. We're going to pray our way through the defeat. We're going to pray our way over top of the voice of the enemy that is trying to attack so great church we've done this all day so easy right now lift up your voice and pray pray in the spirit pray in the spirit pray in the spirit there's a delivering word here for somebody there's a delivering word here for somebody in jesus name
1: right now pray yes yes